Welcome to the sag After Foundation's Conversations podcast. The sag After Foundation believes that contributions made to our culture by performing arts are not only valuable, but also essential. And so we provide free programming and services like this podcast to support them. If you'd like to learn more about the sag After Foundation or access the full library of our conversations or make a donation to support this podcast, please visit sagaftra.foundation. That's www.sagaftra.foundation. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SAGAfterFound. Thanks, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the SAG Afters Foundation's Conversations at Home program. I'm Jazz Tanke, Senior Artisans Editor at Variety. Before we're joined by our guests today, I want to let you know that the SAG After Foundation is a nonprofit organization that relies entirely on donations to provide emergency assistance and free educational programs to SAG After artists. This conversation is made possible thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Over the past year, the foundation has given nearly $7 million in COVID relief to more than 7,000 performers. If you are a SAG-AFTRA artist and need help, please ask. And if you can help, please give. Information can be found in the description of this video. And thank you again for your support. Now, without further ado, it is my absolute pleasure and honor to introduce actor Udo Kier. Hi, Udo. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I am so excited to just dive into your incredible career and where it all began. And, you know, Swan Song, obviously an incredible film. So take us back. You know, you were born in Germany and and you actually did move to to England at one point um, to study. Like, where did your where did the film bug come in? All right. First, uh, I was born in Cologne at the end of the Second World uh, War, which was, of course, as you can imagine, a horrible time to grow up. And uh, my strange childhood, because uh, you can imagine a country after the war. And uh, when uh, I was about 17 or 18, I, with permission of my mother, I was living with my mother alone, no brothers, no sisters, no uh, daddy. And uh, I got permission from her to go to England because we didn't have money for high school. So I wanted to learn English. Uh, so I went to London, uh, went to a school called, I had saved some money, went to some child school in Oxford Street in London. And uh, one day I walked and had a coffee and somebody came to me and said, uh, we're making a movie. My name is Mike Simon, who was a famous singer uh, when he was younger. And I'm doing my first film and I would like uh, you offer, to offer you the, the part. It was a film of 40 minutes uh, because at that time in England, they always show the short film before the feature film. They're also in Germany, everywhere. So I said, I don't know how to do that. How? <laughs> he said, leave it up to us. And uh, so I said first no, and then I said yes. And we went to South of France, and I shot the movie. And I didn't know how to do that. 
and they were always far away from me with the camera. And I was thinking, why are they so far away? Uh, and but I didn't know they had a special uh, lens in it, and I was on screen in Cinemascope in close-up. So the film came out in England. I got immediately a contract with William Morris worldwide. The magazines wrote the new phase of cinema. I mean, I was uh, 18. And uh, because I was with William Morris, I got an offer to make a movie in Austria, my first feature film called Mark of the Devil with Herbert Lom, who was a very known British actor. And I played his assistant, was about witch hunting. And I watched him. And so I was learning, learning actually from other actors. I started working with because they were, most of them were very good. I mean, of course, I learned only from the good ones. So that was my first film, which is became a cult film, Mark of the Devil. You can still watch it today on the internet. And I liked the attention I got, and I decided to become an actor. And then that was the beginning. And then in Cologne, uh, in Cologne, I went to a pub on the weekend and I uh, met uh, a boy my age, one year younger, uh, Rainer. And I, when I was in London, I opened a German magazine and I saw his face saying, Rainer Werner Fassbinder, the genius and alcoholic. And I thought, that's Rainer from the bar I met. So when I went to Germany, I met him and he was already famous working with Hannah Shigula <clears throat> and I started making movies with him. We did Circuit Innovation with Hannah Shigula and I made a few films with him. So then I was in an airplane and uh, a man was sitting next to me and as American, Americans always want to know what you do for a living. So he said to me, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm an actor. But when I said I'm an actor, I showed him already with two fingers. I got my head shot and I showed him, I said, I'm an actor. He said, interesting, interesting. Give me your number. And he took out his American passport and wrote my number on the last page. There was no number. So I thought, wow. And I said, who are you? He said, I'm a film director for Andy Warhol. My name is Paul Moisey. And I said, okay. And Andy Warhol was, that was the time when he became famous, his movie, Trash, Flash, Heat, low budget films with Joe D'Alexandro and uh, wonderful actors. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a call. Hey, it's Paul from New York. You remember the guy in the plane? I'm doing for Carlo Ponti, the husband of Sophia Lorraine. I'm doing uh, Frankenstein in 3D. And I have a little role for you. 
And I honestly said, wow, thank you. What do I play? He said, Frankenstein. So that, then I thought he was joking, but he wasn't. So I went later on to Rome to shoot Frankenstein. I was not supposed to be Dracula because it was two films as one production. Yeah. And, and the last day of Frankenstein, I was very sad that it's finished for me. And I went to the cantina and in Shinichita, and it was famous studio. Mm -hmm. And there was Fellini was shooting and all these amazing characters were in the cantina. And I was having a glass of wine, thinking, well, Andy Warhol said, everybody is famous for 15 minutes. My 15 minutes are gone. And then Paul Morrissey came in and he said, well, I guess we have a German Dracula. And I didn't think about myself. And I said, who? He said, you but you have to lose 10 pounds in a week. I said, no problem. So I had really, it's true, all these salad leaves and water. And when the first day of shooting came as Dracula, I was sitting in a wheelchair. So we used that. I was sitting, I started the movie in a wheelchair. So that was the beginning. And of course, through the Warhol film, I went from regular newspaper into glamour paper. All of a sudden, mm. I was Andy Warhol's superstar. So that was <clears throat> the beginning. Later on, of course, as you know, I worked with uh, Wim Wenders, with Werner Herzog, with uh, all the German directors. My last film with Werner Herzog was My Son, My Son, What Have You Done? with Michael Shannon and Chris Zabreski and... Chloe Savigny. So yeah. there you have it. That was the beginning. And uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I love that. And, you know, we t you talked about the films becoming, you know, cult classics, like The Mark of the Devil, you know, a cult classic, Flesh for Frankenstein, Blood for Dracula. Were you ever into horror films of that period or was it just that? casting and roles that you picked that happened to be? Never. And I was amazed when they told me that I was going to be Frankenstein or Dracula because I had a totally different program. I didn't want to be a vampire. And uh, I just got in Slovenia three weeks ago at the Bela Lugosi Award for best vampire. I was born <laughs> vampire. So, I, of course, I didn't have this program, but uh, I, I will tell you during we talk a few times, and I mean it, I'm a lucky man. I have never asked the director, uh, I would like to work with you. Uh, I wouldn't do that. It's, I only say I like your movies. I wouldn't say to David Lynch, I would like to work with you, and he would say to me, who doesn't? I would go under the table. So uh, it's like things happen. Things always 
happened that I meet. I was in Berlin to see some movies at the film festival, and then came a young man to me and said, "Hello, my name is Gus von Sand. I have a little movie I made for twenty thousand dollars, Malanoche, which is shown at the festival, and I would like to work with you." But he said, "My next movie." My own private Idaho is going to be with Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix. Of course, I lived in Berlin. I hadn't heard their names. Of course, uh, shortly after I knew who they were. So he is the one. I'm very, very grateful and thankful to him because he got me to America. He got me a member of SAC. He is the one who. I became a member of SAG through my own private Idaho, and uh, I didn't want it to stay in America. And I was uh, staying with a girlfriend Anna, and I had already packed my suitcase to go back to Germany. I came wow. from the area of my own private Idaho, and she said, "Why don't you stay here?" I said, "No." After a few glasses of wine, I said, "Not a bad idea." And so I got myself a little apartment, very little, in Los Angeles in Silver Lake. I bought myself a used car, and then I had to learn this horrible thing what they call uh, get uh, you know casting casting session, which I <laughs> I don't like. <laughs> People tell you stand up, turn around. It's like going to the market and buy a horse. And I had to learn how to do that because I have never done that audition. And so I'm a lucky man. Yeah. I'm a lucky man. I got an, uh, a call for being an Esventura pet detective, and I went there. And they said yes, but you have to come back. Tonight, Jim Carrey wants to meet you. He has the last word. I said okay. So I went back to the office of Dino De Laurentiis on Wilshire Boulevard, and then in the evening, because there was a scene in the film with a ring, and yeah. I stepped in the office and I had a ring on my own, and Jim Carrey came out of the dark. Took my ring off my finger, and I said, "What are you doing?" He said, "Okay, you got the role." So uh, I played with with him and Esven to a pet detective, and was fascinated by his talent. Yeah, being, being so wild all that time <laughs> with the face, with the hands, with everything, the whole body language. I, I had never seen anything like that. So we did. That was fun. I was, yeah, I was just looking at him because there were some actors who tried to be like him, and I thought to myself, "That is a mistake because he is so good and a star. If you try to be like that funny, they're going to cut you," which yeah. they did. So that was the beginning, and then I did for love or money. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld and Michael J. Fox. That was a, a good experience. And then I start living in America, 
and start making movies like Armageddon, End of Days. All. Yeah. But I always had supporting parts. And then I went to Germany with a movie. And then I saw one movie from Lars von Trier, Element of Crime. And I saw the movie. And when the movie finished, I couldn't get up from my seat. And I said to the, uh, the directors who were there in competition, I was in competition too, I said, well, we can go home. They said, what do you mean? I said, whoever made that movie is going to get the first prize. He did. And I said, I want to meet him. We met. And a uh, couple of months later, I got a call. He says, I'm doing Medea a script by Carl Theodor Dreyer, and I want that you, Medea, and I want that you play the husband of Medea. He said, but there is a little problem. I said, what is the problem? He said, you don't look like a Viking. He said, don't shave anymore for one month. Don't wow. wash your wow. hair and come and uh, visit me in Copenhagen because I have to sell you to the producer as the Viking or king. So I looked, I looked very strange with my non-washed hair and with my beard. <laughs> I got the part and we became friends. He wanted me to be the godfather of his first child, which I became. Yeah. And then, since 30 years, we're working together. I just worked with him two months ago, The Kingdom. Yeah. And The Kingdom, number one, I don't know if you have seen it, but I'm, the, I'm very proud and lucky. I was the first actor in the world who was born on screen. So they built this amazing woman's body and I was in her stomach on a piece of wood with four wheels lying on my back. And he yeah. said to me, he said, Udo, we cannot rehearse this because it's too expensive. And then... I heard the word action and I couldn't get out and I said, that's not possible. So I went back with my feet with a piece of wood with wheels and pushed myself through and then my head stick out and I went like, Wah! so that was the kingdom. That is a fun story. I, I, years I ago. What's, what, I mean, I, I've read that you're, Process isn't so much method acting, but you, you you absorb things like a sponge. Like describe that because obviously this is you know people tuning in are all fellow actors. So yes, talk about your process. But I can tell the actors what uh, uh, Lars von Trier' favorite word, and that is don't act, and that is important. We had a situation, believe it or not, uh, in where we were shooting the uh, film Dark Will with uh, Nico Kipman, uh, uh, Ben Gizara, James Kahn, and a lot of actors, big actors. And Lars came and said to all of us, and don't forget, don't act. And, you know, that's, don't act means, of course you have to act, but what it means, what I did when we come later to the subject of uh, the film, 
swan song, I'm not acting. I had a great script and a very strong director, and I was just there. And that's what it is when I say to young actors, uh, uh, don't act. Because, you see, I never been to acting school. I never, I learned from my uh, talented colleagues, and I became a professor teaching acting. So I became in Brunswick in Germany teaching theory of acting. So that is, non-acting is not easy. <laughs> non-acting is very difficult. You know, you can always act, stand by the window, look out of the window and talk to the birds in the tree. I mean, you know, but it's not, it's not my style. I love that. And I want to go back because, you know, you also did, and I had it when I lived in London, but you also appeared alongside, you know, you talked about Andy Warhol, but then you you also worked with Madonna um, in her Deeper and Deeper video. And you're actually in her the book that she released in 1992, Sex. Sex. But, I mean, talk about working with Madonna, because if I don't ask you this, Udo, people are going to come for me and be like, you sat down with Udo and you didn't talk about it. I tell you how it is. I tell you the truth. I don't lie. Uh, I lie only for money. But (laughs) (laughs) I don't lie in an interview. So I was in New York. And my agent at that time said, uh, Stephen Mazel, who's a famous photographer, would like to meet you. We think it has to do with Madonna, but we're not, we're not sure. So I went to the address I got, to the, his studio, and there were outside already two bodyguards because you recognize them, their suit is very tight and their shirt is tight because they're very strong. And I thought, okay. So I went to the office and then the door, they opened the door for me and I walked in and there were a young girl, a woman with no makeup and uh, Steve Mazel was there and he said, may I introduce Madonna uh, Udo? And... She looked at me and then she said to me, would you like to do a book with me? And I said, sure. And I realized, I realized what, when we started talking, that she wanted me to play in the book, the pictures, black and white, playing her decadent uh, husband, and we are, I'm in a tuxedo and she is in evening dress and we go to a sex club and we're riding on naked boys. <laughs> so that was, that was and uh, then, and then I went back to Los Angeles because I was down in New York and I got a call from her office saying, Madonna wants to know if you're ready for hardcore. And I said, fine. <laughs> Finally. So I went back to New York and we shot in a a real sex club, a real one. Later on in Los Angeles, I got a call from Debbie Mazer. And Debbie, uh, who was a good friend of Madonna, said, we're doing a video deeper and deeper. And Madonna wants you to play her guru. 
And I said, okay. So I did a uh, 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 Google uh, uh, video deeper and deeper and further to go. So that was uh, with Madonna. And I did a few videos. Even I did one for Super Tramp with Nicole Smith. Yeah. Uh, and I did a few videos. I did also during the period uh, some interesting commercials. Like with Michael Bay, I did Miller Light. I was mm-hmm. the devil in hell. And all my little uh, devils were uh, uh, doing ice skating because the hell was under ice. And I was the devil with long fingernails and the horns. And I say, how can this happen? And I was for Miller Light. I did Budweiser also. So commercials I haven't done for quite a while. I was going to ask you, like, how do you pick between, you know, you, you talked about doing Blade, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, you know, Armageddon, and then, you know, then you, you, you do a project with, you know, Wim Wenders or Werner Herzog. Like, talk about picking your roles and what speaks to you and how that has changed over the years. Okay. Uh, I'm now in the... When you're young as an actor and you start, you would like to make five films at the same time and also anything you would do. But I learned over the years that, for example, when I get a script, I read first only my part. And then... Say, oh, it's an interesting part. And then I read the whole script with my part. And then if I come to the conclusion, the film is okay, but it's also okay without my part, so why should I play it? And then I don't play it because, as I know, my favorite line is, time is the sin. You know, I have, you know, I mean, saying... Sometimes I realize stuff only because of uh, your journalists. Because when the when the Swan Song was reviewed in the New York Times, an amazing review, and the headline was: After 50 years, finally, Mr. Kier becomes the leading man. So then I thought, what what does he mean? And yeah, I was a leading man in European production, like. Dracula and Frankenstein, but not in America. It is, Swan Song is the first film that we talk about this later. So that's how I, I choose by, and then, for example, I want to meet the director uh, because i alone, not in a meeting or table reading. I want to meet the director alone and I go somewhere, I have, I'm, we're not talking, I live in a former library in Palm Springs, where we're talking now, and I have a little place in Morongo, a little ranch, and I go there, and we talk, and I watch the director, and listen to the director, what he says. And it has happened that I thought, no, it's uh, not my way how I think how it should be played. And so that's how I, uh, I, I mean, okay. I mean, I just talk to a director on the phone 
three weeks ago, one of my favorite directors, Abel Ferrara, and he wanted me for his new film, but I had no time. I couldn't do it. So he's okay. shooting now a film uh, with Shia LaBeouf in South Italy, and he wanted me to play. But now as we talk, I know we will work together. Just a matter of time now. So I, there's, uh, there's a Terence Malek. There are, there are people I had dinner with him. I would love to work uh, with them. There is, I have uh, not a list. I don't make lists, but there is <laughs> sorts of people I would love to work with. But obviously, uh, you know, as I said, I'm a lucky man. I was in, I got an award. Now I get awards everywhere. So I has to do with age. Yeah. When you get older, they think, oh my God, he's already 77. You better give him an award. So I just got the award best actor in Monte Carlo even. So I was in Sitges, got an award. And then the director said, it's the birthday of Mr. Uh, uh, the famous director and I said uh, who but I don't want to talk about it now and I said okay and we went we, uh, they said he wants to meet you I said great his birthday is the 9th of October minus the 14th uh, we both Libras so I went to, uh, to meet him and uh, you know, he just has a new film coming out, uh, Nightmare Alley. And I'm very happy for him. That's a film. I know the old film very well. Mm. Uh, in black and white, strong film. But I want to see Cape Blanchett playing the evil scientist or psychiatrist. So, so the, you know, the, I meet people. Yeah. And Sometimes they want to work together, and uh, it works like that. It's not like, as I said, I never wrote a director a letter, and I never asked a director. And I chose things, scripts, which I get very honestly. I'm reading two now, very honestly, if I think I can do something uh, good with it, not just making a movie. Yeah. And, I mean, let's talk about, you know, you, you talked about roles. Talk about working with Lars uh, Von Trier and, like, over the years, like that shorthand or that relationship that you had, you have with him. And, like, was there ever a part, like, you know, he did a film and you're like, I didn't get to, I didn't, I couldn't be in that for a reason or whatever, yeah. but... Yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. And I will never see the movie because it's the film The House Jack Built. I will never see that movie because he took Bruno Ganz, who unfortunately passed away, instead of me. And friends of mine, I sent them to see the movie and when they uh, got home, I said, one question, could I have played the part of Bruno Gans? And they all said, of course, you would have been great. So I never will see that movie. And sometimes when I, with Lars, 
I have I take my glass and say cheers, and then I stop and I look at him, and then I drink because <laughs> that's the only movie. But I don't even know if it was his decision or the producer. I could also imagine that the German producer said, "Not again, Udokia. We need somebody else." And Bruno Ganz was a great, a great uh, actor. I mean, he was yeah. great in uh, playing Adolf Hitler. So that's there was that, that there are some moments now when I did uh, the Kingdom, the last episode, couple of about two months ago in Denmark. And that is the only film I haven't seen and I will never see. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, you and Lars, best, best friends, right? Like, you've yes. a great room. Yeah. Um, talk about, you know, you, you mentioned working on, you know, on, on TV. What is the difference as an actor going from, you know, Indepe- you know, doing independent films to doing, you know, a blockbuster versus TV, a t- you know, a TV series where you're getting to flesh out a character across, like, you know, seasons, episodes, not fully knowing how this is going to end up. Unless, of course, it's Hunters where we know what, you know, bad ending there. But Well, I haven't, besides Hunters, I was this eight episode in the season two, and I'm in six episodes, and uh, it was my first American TV. I mean, mm-hmm. I was in the Sentinel and things in one episode or two, but not in six, becoming very important in the personality I play. And it was a new experience. It was by Amazon, a new experience, and good actors. And uh, I enjoyed it. I just came back a couple of weeks ago. We did the last work, four weeks in Prague, beautiful, beautiful country, beautiful city. And I'm, uh, it's over now. And as I, you see, I'm an actor, and that's also, that is also a little tip for young actors. Don't watch the monitor after you did a scene. I have never watched the monitor. When I do a scene and then they play it back, a lot of actors be around the director and they go very nervous and they look at the monitor. I never see the monitor and I do not like, I mean, there's people like Lars von Trier who would not let anybody see the monitor, not even Nicole Kidman. You know, but because that's why I have a director. Why should I? I always think I could have done it better. So I see myself and I look and I say, oh, what, what, what do I do there? My God, that's horrible. But it isn't horrible at the end when it's edited in the right way. That's what I say to young actors. Don't watch the monitor. You have a director and trust the director, you know. Otherwise, you know, you wouldn't need to have a director. I mean, talking about awards, you know, I remember The Painted Bird, beautiful, beautifully shot, incredible film. I mean, talk about working on that film because 
I remember, you know, that was when that was vying for international, you know, feature. Paint a bird. I just had a couple of weeks ago a dinner with the director. He took me out on a beautiful lake on a boat, a restaurant on the lake in Prague, um, the river, and not lake, river. And he was, I mean, I did not read uh, Kosinski's uh, uh, book. Only after I got the offer, I read the book. And uh, he took a lot of things from the book. And as I never see uh, rushes, I was fascinated by the movie, the, the black and white, the camera, unbelievable. And the young boy is so strong. And uh, it was for me, I know Stellan Skarsgård very well, through Lars, of course. And Harvey Cattell, I have never worked with him. And it was amazing that I worked with his two great actors, but we don't work together. We all work with that boy. And uh, the story and uh, the book, I mean, the story was very, very strong that that boy goes to different people just for food and uh, where he can sleep. And I was, you, you saw the movie, I suppose. Mm. that I was the kind of a jealous husband. Jealous husband. I like that when I say, what role you play? <laughs> jealous husband. But what do you do? And I cannot tell you what. So that was an amazing experience. And uh, I think he will make a movie in America. And then came, of course, the film... I met the director, Bacurau. And Bacurau, uh, I'd never been in Brazil. I just knew about Brazil, but never been there. And I liked, I liked the script. And of course, I like uh, Sonia Braga. So I went to Brazil, but not on the beach with a martini glass and dancing. I went in a village somewhere in Brazil and shoot that movie. And it was wonderful two years ago when we got the award from Mr. Inaritu in France, the, uh, the jury's award, best film. So this, I, lately, lately, I'm, I mean, I am a lucky man, but lately it works really amazing. I don't know. I didn't do anything different, but being in Painted Bird, then being in Baccarat, mm -hmm. uh, then being now uh, uh, in Swan Song and being in Hunters and being in um, the, the film Blazing World, uh, which I shot last year, which uh, is also a strong film, which cast young. And so... Everything is, I hate that word, wonderful. Uh, I want to, don't want to say everything is wonderful. Uh, everything is good for me. Yeah. Everything is good. I got, of course, I got offers after Swan Song. And uh, I'm doing a, a film uh, next week in Los Angeles about a painter. I played a painter, Albert Oehlen, and his 
My mother is Grace Zabreski. I wanted to see her again. And that's what I'm doing. And then I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, do you go back and read like reviews and critics? And especially now with social media, like, you know, everybody has an opinion, whether it's a right opinion or a wrong opinion. But do you go down that rabbit hole as an actor or do you just like, no, I'm living my life. I make a movie. I work with, you know, well, I've worked on it. I live my life, I make my movies, but as I live in the library, there's a lot of space. And when you enter my house, there is a table with about 25 covers of magazine and where I'm on the cover and that's there. And then, uh, you know, I don't say, oh, look here on the right. <laughs> people see that and that's it. No, 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 yeah. I, don't, I, I don't live in the past. I live now talking to you and that's the uh, moment, the importance. No, I don't, I don't read what they say to, uh, uh, to me about 50 years ago. That would be perverted. But uh, okay. I'm, I'm uh, as I say, again and again, I'm a lucky man. I'm happy. And uh, I do, if I wouldn't be an actor, I would be a gardener. I like to plant trees. And I like to work in the garden. And I don't wear gloves because I want to smell the earth. Mm. Otherwise, if I have gloves, then I could also hire somebody. But I, uh, I'm a lucky man. Yeah, I, I love that so much. And, you know, it is, it, it is an incredible career, you know, with over 200, I think it's like 269 credits the last time I looked. But, um, you know, talk about... Um, you know, like you, you mentioned you watched during the pandemic uh, on The Blazing World. Like, what was that experience like for you? Because it was, you know, we'd, we'd, we, 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 you know, we all went through it and set life was so different now. There were like, yeah. there are COVID protocols. But what was that like for you to still be doing something during the pandemic hard. and that experience? It was horrible. For example, when we did Hunters Now, in a beautiful hotel in Prague, every morning the ambulance came and all actors, we had to go tap, 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 tap to the ambulance. They went with the, the cotton in our nose and put it in a little glass thing, broke it up. My, and I checked my name. I didn't want that maybe I had the wrong name. I checked my name and every morning for one month and automatically, automatically, you think, even if it was yesterday negative, but you went to have dinner in a restaurant and automatically you think, what's going on if I have it? The film is going to stop because I'm, you know, in everything in that country. So, and I, this testing is, a good thing, of course, I have the vaccination, of course, I have the booster, booster shot, and I'll be very careful. I don't go, and I had the good thing about, it has one good thing, that gives you more time to think about yourself and your yeah. life. And I realized, for example, that I bought much too much stuff in thrift stores, and I surrounded myself in this library 
with all the stuff and I get rid of it. Or I put it in containers, I put it uh, in little boxes and put it in a container. So that is, you have time to think more because when you, everything goes fast in life and you have no time to think, you know, that's what, uh, and I mean, it's a, it is scary. It is scary that there now is a, a new uh, kind of uh, thing uh, in San Francisco. And it's, it's horrible, but, uh, you know, it's like I'll be tested this afternoon. After yeah. I talk to you, I have to go to Walgreens, be tested, because in Los Angeles they want to see the test. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's hope. Let's just hope it it goes away because it's yeah. horrible. Um, so let's talk about Swan Song, and which premiered at South by Southwest, which feels like an eternity ago. Talk about what it was that drew you to that role and playing Pat. Well, I got the script, uh, which I found out later. Uh, Todd uh, Stevens, the director, told me that he was looking for a long time for a part. I mean, for an actor who can play that part, because it was, after all, the hairdresser Pat was a living person in Sandusky in Ohio, where we shot. And then the casting agent said, what about Udo Kier? He said, well, he has a German accent. Well, anyway, he sent me the script. And I liked it, and I read it twice. And then I called him and I said, okay, can you come to Palm Springs? I would like to meet you. And he came, and we spent an afternoon together, and I wanted to know certain things, if they're possible. For example, shooting the film as chronological as possible not shooting the first day, the ending of the film. I hate that because, no, it's no good. And he said, okay. And I said, I want also be on the set for a day or two on my own. No camera, no, not you, nobody. Only me enjoying that room and uh, sleeping in that bed find out everything, and he agreed to that too. So that's how we made the film. And I learned, uh, I said, Todd, are there still people alive, friends from him, from Pat? Yeah. I said, could I meet them? So I met them, and I learned a lot. I learned how to hold a cigarette in my left holding my arm like that, which is the poster. And I learned, they showed me how he walked and all that. And important, the most important thing was that I said to the director, I don't want to go over the top and I don't want to have the cliche of these characters. And he agreed and that was the good thing because if I would have gone over the top, no, no. So then came the day of shooting. So I went, I went to uh, Sindaski, Ohio, 
lived with family members because it was a very low budget film. We did a little crowdfunding uh, and got a hundred thousand or something, and the family gave money because there wasn't much money in the movie, I mean, to make the movie. And uh, we shot, chronological, and once I had that green suit on, I never got rid of it. I liked it, and when I had a Chardonnay in the bar after shooting, they all called me Pat. I was all of a sudden the character. I was the character, and I liked it. I like uh, Linda Evans, an amazing actress. What yep. ex- what experience, my God. And Jennifer Coolay, great. Yeah. So I had two good women on the, on the team. And uh, we made the movie and uh, there wasn't any negative surprise or anything. Yeah. And, the director, because we talked a lot at the beginning, he let me basically uh, be me. Be me. Because, yeah. you see, Swan Song is very important for a very important reason. Uh, today, to go back in time. When I was a young man there uh, uh, working with Fassbinder, in Germany, there were actors who had AIDS and they died. Yeah. They all died. Today they take one pill, good, 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 and they live. And the same thing with uh, gay history. You know, in the old days, people went to a bar, uh, they looked left and right if nobody saw them going in. And yeah. as I said today, uh, young people that kiss each other at Applebee or McDonald's and nobody cares what they're doing. And that is in that film, very, a very strong subject in the, uh, in the film, which I think is very important. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you, you know, you talked about the, the, the green suit, but I also want to talk about the white fur coat at the beginning of, of the movie, you know, that Pat wears and it's in the opening sequence. I mean, talk about, you know, becoming Pat and, and working, you know, working with the costumes and, and be- I guess almost becoming him like what that was like to really, I, I guess, embody the character in a way. Well, we shot, that's why I wanted to shoot chronological. And for example, the scene with the old lady in the wheelchair is mm. one of my favorite scenes. And there is, you, you remember? Yeah, it, yeah. It much happened. She sits there and I light two cigarettes, the famous cigarette, and put one in her mouth. And I put her hair and talk to her. Even now, I, my hair standing up if I, uh, on my arms, if I think about it. That was, so I went there. I went to the, have lunch and saw all these real old people and I was stealing napkins because people always say, why does he fold the napkins all the time? And why the director put that as a scene in the film was, when Pat died, 
they found boxes and boxes with folding folded serviettes because he did this obviously to for time to be not lying there or sitting there being depressed but he at least he gave himself something to do and for me that we did uh, started to film in the retirement home was very important till I really hitchhiked on the street and talked. And then when we went to the cemetery where my friend David, when he died, lies, and I said to the director, I don't want to see the stone before the camera is there. So I did not see the gravestone. And I said, I'll be with you on the, on the graveyard, but I don't want to see the stone. And I said, just give me a little sign. When you're all ready, I will come. And that's how we did it. I mean, you, if I would say that in a film for 20th Century Fox, they would say, you're crazy. We want to see the light on you, get there. So, but no, it wasn't independent film, so I went there, and when I was crying, that was real, because yeah. I, saw, I saw my name, which he had put on the grave, had somebody put on the gravestone, which I didn't know, so he bought the grave for both of us, and things like that, so the whole film went through like that, there wasn't any, uh, you know, trailer, trailers with actors and it was just you know I walked so I was living near the main street so I walked to the set I walked to the theater put on my costume and uh, uh, went to work yeah talk about the 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 ending where you get to sing dancing on my own which you know seems to be the the song du jour to, to lip sync to and having that incredible out, you know, again, the, the costumes in this is so incredible yeah. and such a part of Mr. Pat, but having the, um, the chandelier on your head, I mean, was that heavy? Like talk about that scene. Yes. It was like my excuse or my uh, saying, I don't want to go over the top because I said, what could be more over the top than the chandelier on my head? And it's even lit. And I do the song of Robbie. And so when we had that scene, it was really lit. And the electricity yeah. really were on a cable behind me. And I liked it because I thought it is, because it's almost at the end of the film also. I said, it's so crazy. Nobody ever has done that. Or maybe they did, but not on film. And uh, so that's, I, uh, I mean, of course, I had to listen uh, 10 times to the song to be able to do the, uh, to the playback. And, but that's one of the strong, strong, strong scene, which is not a big scene, but it is the idea. And then it, what follows that I wake up in the hospital and all I like is my green suit. Oh, it's lying over there, good. 
so I can escape. Then I steal the wheelchair, and I'm in the middle of the street, all the cars behind me. It, it, it is just uh, <clears throat> very, I don't, can I say it's very real? Yeah. Mm. It is very uh, real, the story. It's not, that's why I said, not acted. Yeah. The story was, you know, there every, I had so many incredible, strange moments, which I could have been much more over the top, but it didn't have to be. It was okay that the car's behind me and I'm sitting there in my green suit and give a, a, a yeah, give something, nothing for <laughs> what's happening about behind me. And the ending scene, it's one, also one of my favorite, when Linda Evans comes alive and we have our conversation. And she so amazing because I didn't, normally I did not in a film rehearse a lot, but Linda wanted, we had a room next to the set and she wanted to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. And we rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. And when we went into the set, we forgot all about it and it became real because it was so much in us, the text, that it just came, the text. And I said, you know, when I said, well, you let me down when David died, and she cries and says, well, it was so new, I didn't know what it all was about. And it was... It was, uh, I like her very much. We are still in contact. And I'm in contact also with Sonia Braga. I'm in contact and I'm looking now for uh, a story where I want to star Linda Evans, Lena Olin. I just, she played my wife in Hunters. Yeah. Lena Olin. And Sonia Braga, these three women and me. I you've, have to find a writer who finds a story. You've put that out there. I'm, I mean, that's just going to, that's leading me to my next question. Um, yes. You know, you've put that out there, but like, have you ever wanted to get into either the writing side, the producing side, or directing side at all? Like, really get into that? Or are you happy just getting, you know, getting calls from your agent, getting calls from directors? Uh, first, I cannot write. I have, because I know me, if I would start writing, and then I would, uh, when I have the first page, I would read it uh, for myself, and I would like it, I would change it. So that's why in Germany they want to uh, write that I do a biography about my life, and I said, the only way, I met two or three people in my life, journalists, who knows very well my life. And when they did interviews with me, they wrote even something I didn't say, but it could have been me saying it's so much on my level. And I would write my, which I will do next year, my uh, biography, but I will invite one of the journalists for three days and have a good time, have good coffee, have good lunch, and the tape recorder is running, 
and I will talk about my life. Directing, I tried to direct a movie, a movie in Los Angeles, uh, but after a week I gave up because I was the writer, the actor, the producer, everything in one. It was just too much and the money was flying out of the window. I, you know, wanted to play somebody in a wheelchair. Anyway, it's not interesting. Uh, and uh, I stopped it. So I don't think I... I want to be part of creating, yes. Mm. If I get a script, I'm not a robot. I'm not just doing what's on the paper. Maybe I have an idea and I talk to the director and say, what do you think if, you know, if I yeah. have a picture of my mother in my jacket, but nobody ever sees the picture. And when I'm in strange situation, my hand, goes to the mother, but you don't know where my hand is going and why. Little things, because yeah. that's also for young actors. In film, little things are more important than the big things. The little unexpected things, what yeah. you do, that people say, what, what was that? But they realize it, and that is important. If you are an actor who just fulfills what's in your script and you do it exactly like it's written, for me it's boring. Yeah. And I want to, I don't want to change anything, but I want to be also part of the creation of the personality because it's me. Yeah. It's me with a different name and a different costume and a different time, but it is still me. So, and as I, as you said before, because I don't count my movies, I don't know how many movies I've made, but internet knows. So uh, then, you know, sometimes I'm surprised when a journalist, uh, or like you today also, said you made over 260 films. I don't know. I know. I made also films which I on purpose forgot. You know, it's like, it's, uh, there, there are films which I will never forget. And there are films, there's also films I've never seen where I play because I didn't have a good time making it. And I know the result is not what I would like it to be. So, yeah. So, one of my favorite roles and films is Suspiria, which was recently remade by director Luca Guadagnino. Talk about working on the original with Dario and what you recall about that, that whole experience. Well, I was in Munich working with Fassbinder and I heard that Dario Argento is in town and he would like to meet me. So I went to the hotel and he said, I would like that you play my movie. It's not a big role, but a very important one because you tell the story. You are explaining to the audience a lot of things, what they want to know. So we made the movie 
Jessica Harper was amazing. And we, we made a movie. And then uh, actually, I have an award here. It's 40 years. I was in Texas last year, and all of us, Dario was there and some actors, and all of a sudden they gave us a little award. 40 That's years, 40 years, Suspiria. Wow. And then with Dario, I saw the movie, of course. I, I liked the great actresses. And then I made a film with him, with his daughter, Asia Argento, called The Third Mother, where I play a, a monk, a priest. I did this in Italy a couple of years ago. And uh, that's it. Suspiria was a, a, a strong film. And you see a lot of people, I realized over the years, when a director like Dario, that was basically one of his first films where he got really noticed, or Lars von Trier, that's always when the people watched it because it's new. When Gas von Sand made Drugstore Cowboy, oh, it was a, a new director. And that's, I think, is important. And I'm very happy that Dario uh, uh, is still strong. And so is Gas von Sand. And yeah. it was my, my honor to work with his directors at the beginning. It's the same with uh, Lars von Trier. I was there right at the beginning before they became, uh, <clears throat> let's say, known. Yeah. Is there, I mean, and you know, you said you don't know how many films you've done or and roles that you've played, but is there one that sticks that, that is so meaningful for you that, you know, people don't talk about that? You're like, I wish people would talk about my role in this film more often. What, what would that be? Well, that would be a film I did in Budapest in Hungary with the director, Gabor Bodi, and we shot one year under communism, one year, because the director wanted the four seasons. So you have, for example, my grave, where I died, I put the camera one year on my grave and take every day one picture. So you see the snow, then the snow goes away, then the flower comes slowly out. And uh, you can only do that if the government is financing the movie. <laughs> and uh, we did the movie uh, for a year of shooting. And the director, unfortunately, much later, killed himself. And it was very sad because he killed himself the same way Then he directed me how I kill myself at the end of the movie. So that's, that's a movie which was uh, amazing, amazing because he could have his dream put in. He did, he did not just like the artist Cristo cover one house in a blanket. He covered the whole street in blankets. So he was really going, uh, going uh, strong and for me, at the moment, because I had a lot of time now 
to sing about so on and so on. It's I had to get I had to get uh, used to it that the press and critics write is my best movie ever. And uh, first I couldn't I, I couldn't understand it, but now I because now I'm analyzing why. Yeah. And analyzing why is again don't act because that is I I like the script I like the character I like the costume and I was just there and uh, living uh, playing with uh, the directors uh, you know advisors playing the part yeah. And I mean, throughout this conversation, you've given so many, you know, great tips to the actors out there and the audience. Like, is this, is there like another piece of advice that you would give them? Yes. There's another piece. To, when you get a role in a film and you must never forget what I always tell friends, new actors, I always say, it's just a movie. So don't, don't say, <laughs> now it's, uh, now it's the world. It's just the movie. Listen to the director and do and uh, feel it. Feel it trying to be uh, real to the situation. And uh, let's go from there. Don't uh, think that's my chance. I have to do that. I saw, I saw Anthony Hopkins doing the same thing. He was so amazing. No, just do it. Just and be, be uh, that uh, people are satisfied with your performance and you get another one. And Love it. Love it. We are going to watch this space for your movie with Linda Evans and, and Jennifer Coolidge because you put that out there. You know. No, because it was like, as I said, is a when journalists because I had a lot of the Golden Globe and all this, and now thanks to Variety, I'm on the list for the nomination for the Oscar. I'm, uh, but the thing is. There is so many things, but as I said, it is uh, just a movie. And I'm a lucky man that I met nice people who are good directors and they wanted to work with me. And then I, I, you know, for me is also a compliment if a director like Gas von Sand hires me again. And I did even Cowgirls Get the Blues and Don't Boy, you won't get far uh, by foot. So, Orbit Lars working again and again. That's a big compliment that, uh, you know, and I am who I am. And I want to say something at the end about Zach. Because you see, I'm from Germany and we don't have any union, no protection at all. And actors from other countries, they start realizing what a wonderful organization SAG is, uh, that uh, they protect you 
der Protect Your Contract. And it's amazing. SAG is amazing. And I am really not schmoozing it now, but <laughs> I'm really very, very happy that I'm a member for a long time. And I'm happy that I became a member of the Academy last year. So things are going well. And uh, it was nice talking to you and uh, good talking. I, normally, I'm not an actor who talks so much about myself. I'm not, I'm not an actor who sits and have dinner and just talks about himself. I'm not like that. Udo, thank you so much on behalf of the SAG After Foundation for sharing your experience, your process, your craft, and incredible advice with your fellow performers. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening to the SAG After Foundation's Conversations podcast. If you appreciated what you heard, please support us with a review or donation and reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SAG After Found. We'd love to hear from you.